There is a podcast that lies between the imagination of two simple-minded earthlings. Travel with these two longtime friends, Jimbo and 80s E, as they attempt to explore the fifth dimension. Follow along with them as they take the key and unlock the door to the vast space between shadow and substance. This podcast is one of trivia, of insight, and of sounds and ideas from one of the greatest television shows ever produced. You are embarking on a timeless journey. There is your signpost up ahead. You are entering the tragedy of cinema's Twilight Zone. This road is the afterwards of the Civil War. It began at Fort Sumter, South Carolina, and ended at a place called Appomattox. It's littered with the residue of broken battles and shattered dreams. In just a moment, you will enter a strange province that knows neither north nor south, a place we call the Twilight Zone. All right, guys, welcome back to the Tragedy of Cinema podcast, the Twilight Zone series. I'm your host, Jimbo. And I'm your other host, co-host, ADZ. Glad to be in here on a holiday. We're in here in the frozen tundra. Yeah, for real. <laughs> I mean, if if you hear any noise background, it won't be an ambulance. It'll be Eric's teeth chattering, or maybe no. his old bones. Yeah, really. But uh, Eric, today we will be discussing uh, episode four of season three, the passerby, and finally, season three has knocked one out of the park for me. Oh, okay. so uh, this is a really good episode. I know you're probably like, oh, it's kind of stupid. No, but, no. Um, We'll get there, but I, but, but I was watching it again last night. I watched it three times in the last 24 hours. And to me, this might make my top ten list of all the Twilight Zones. Wow. That's um, it's, it's very interesting because, once again, once you just start doing some research on some just little words that they've thrown in there or some historical facts and you do some research on it and you dig deeper, it makes you appreciate the episode that much more. Yeah. And the attention to detail that they placed in there is very amazing. So, without further ado, Eric take it away all right uh the passerby this is the twilight zone season number three episode number four it was directed by elliot silverstein written by rod serling serling get his name right and uh the featured music is by fred steiner uh, the original air date for this particular episode was october the 6th 1961 so you know what time it is folks That's right, it's time for On This Day in History. All right, so Jimbo's looking at me for October 6th. Do you want to go ahead and give your uh, my, On This my, Day in History okay. stuff? Well, what I found on this exact date in history of October 1961, as we talked about last week during the shelter, JFK gives his advice for Americans to build the fallout shelters. Right, we you talked know, started, about that last episode. Thinking, did you ever see that uh, movie, Blast from the Past, where, where Brendan Fraser yeah. and his family yeah. did come out? And his dad invested in IBM stock, <laughs> and he came up like 50 years later, and he was a millionaire. That was a pretty cool movie. But yeah. well, that got me thinking about this, you know, building a fallout shelter, because they were down there for a long time. Uh, so yeah. there's that. But also... The top grossing movies of 1961. Eric, do you have a uh, a guess, a wild guess? I got the top two movies. Top grossing movies of 1961. Oh, man. You're going to have to probably give me somewhat of a hint. Number one, 101 Dalmatians oh, coming okay. in at $102,399,700. Okay. Far below. So Dogs dominated that, that, that movie that year. Okay. but. Number two, way down with only forty three million seven hundred thousand, is what? It's a musical. A musical that has dogs in it? No. no well, <laughs> I mean, Eric, if, if you're going to call actresses and actors dogs, then uh, maybe. No. But... Uh, hold on. It's coming to me. Uh, why am I thinking? You want me to give you a hint? Maria, the Hills Are Alive with singing. Oh, I just no. met a girl named Marie. No. no. Yes, it is. No, I'm saying oh, I don't, I'm not. West Side Story. Oh, okay. Coming in yeah. at number two. I was thinking, uh, what's the one with Julie Andrews? Sound of Music. Sound of Music. Yes. With- but uh, also, the number one song still uh, is Take Good Care of My Baby by Bobby V. But the number one R&B song, Eric, from none other than Ray Charles and his orchestra is... Hit the Road Jack. Hit the Road Jack. Yeah. And don't you come back no mo, no mo. Right. So... Um, that's what I have for the October 6th 
1961. For that specific day in 1961. Oh, that's good stuff. Let me go all the way back to 1927. Let's talk about The Jazz Singer, starring Al Jolson, premiered in New York City, introducing the sound era of motion pictures. I thought that was somewhat (laughs) interesting, so... All the way back to 1927 and the movie The Jazz Singer. 1960, one year earlier, the movie Spartacus, directed by Stanley Kubrick and starring Kirk Douglas. I see him with his sword. Yeah. And Laurence Olivier, it premiered in uh, the New York City in 1960. And then skip ahead a few years, about uh, 18 years, uh, 1978, Midnight Express. We discussed this off air. I don't think I've ever seen it, or maybe bits and pieces. Have you ever seen it? It's been a long long time time. if I did, yeah. Midnight Express film uh, premieres in the U.S., directed by Alan Parker, starring Brad Davis, Randy Quaid, and John Hurt. And one of our favorites here on the show, uh, it was Elizabeth Shue's birthday, October 6, 1963. She was born... American actress, uh, well-known for her cocktail, Back to the Future Part Two, and she was born in Wilmington, Delaware. But we need not forget the great movie, Adventures in Babysitting, right? That was covered right here on this podcast. Hey, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. What? Did you ever have any babysitters that were even remotely no. attractive? No, <laughs> like not Elizabeth even close. <laughs> uh, so Adventures in Babysitting, uh, also an Elizabeth shoe, and... The Karate Kid. Cannot leave the Karate Kid off. Wax on, wax yeah. off. <laughs> All right. And then finally, in more recent times, which is still a long time ago, about 30, 30, years. 30 years ago, 1993, <laughs> Michael Jordan retired from professional basketball saying, I don't have anything else to prove. Boy, was he wrong. Only to return <laughs> in May of 1995. And that was a great day. I remember hearing that on the radio, and I was so excited when I heard that he was coming back. Wearing number 045. Yeah. And so he returned to go on to win three more NBA no, he wasn't wearing forty five then, was he? He, he started out wearing right? he started out wearing forty five when he came back in ninety five, but then switched oh, back. Okay. So that was October sixth of nineteen ninety three. So moving on to our episode, and right off the bat, I asked this question: Is this the original Walking Dead? You know, I kind of wanted to throw that thought out there because. Uh, Spoiler alert! Yeah, really. So the the Walking Dead—that's what uh, eventually. I mean, immediately came to my mind. So let's talk about dates of rehearsal and filming for this. But before we do that, let's talk about the total production cost, if we will. It was—it came in at fifty-nine thousand seven hundred eighty-five thousand and thirty-five. I'm sorry, fifty-nine thousand seven hundred eighty-five dollars and thirty-five cents. Let me get that correct. So we're looking at close to sixty thousand. I didn't put adjusted for inflation. Uh, I may do that going forward, but you can just about count on about 10x on those uh, episodes. So 590 grand is what it would be in today's dollars. Dates of rehearsal for this episode were as follows: August the first and second of 1961, and then the dates of filming for this episode were August third, fourth, and seventh of 1961. And I'm guessing that was due to a weekend, maybe that was stuck in there. And uh, I don't have a lot of information as far as what took place on what day. And I don't know why they did that in my book. The first couple episodes of season three, they gave some inside snapshots of like the order of filming kind of. And they, they haven't done that uh, thus far after the first two episodes. So it's kind of cool to know like what they filmed first, if they went in reverse order or you know vice versa. How to go back and do some yeah, extra Yeah, I don't, I don't have any specific um, info on that. But uh, Jimbo... Take that illustrious cast away. Um, Who's in this great episode? Well, this awesome episode uh, stars uh, one of the main characters is James Gregory. Um, you don't get a name from him. All you get is that he's a Confederate sergeant. Uh, he was in The Maturing Candidate from 1962. And he was also in Beneath the Planet of the Apes, which we've covered with uh, Brett uh, from the Evil Never Dies podcast, me and Kyle, um, where he played Ursus. Uh, then you have the other main character of this episode joanne linville uh she played lavinia godwin uh she played in star trek uh she was a little known fact she was the first actress to play a female romulan uh, in the episode the enterprise incident in 1968 so i thought that was pretty cool okay 
Uh, then you had Rex Holman, who played Charlie Constable. Charlie. <laughs> Charlie. Uh, he was in Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, where he played John. Uh, he was also, Eric, in a little TV show. I don't know if you remember this. I'm sure you do. Land of the Lost, uh, the TV show where they go uh, over the raft, over that waterfall, and they end up in... You've never yeah, seen it? I think it sounds familiar. Michael, I may have seen somebody it. in Holly. Uh, you don't remember the land? They've said in Marty's... No. Profs, uh, you'll have to pull it. I know yeah. you do if I'll pull up the Yeah, uh, I probably have seen it. Man, I think I'm dealing with Kyle today. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> then we have David Garcia, uh, where he played the Union Lieutenant, and he did a very good job in this episode. Uh, pretty creepy. Um, which I'll have a question for Eric, uh, either there or maybe at the end about this. Uh, but he was in, uh, obviously, 20, Twilight Zone, but he was in a, a movie called Monster from the Ocean Floor from 1954. It sounds exciting. Um, then you have Warren J. Kimmerling, who played Judd Godwin. He was in a little movie called Close Encounters of the Third Kind, where he played Wild Bill from 1977. And yes, all you Godzilla fans, he was in Godzilla 1985, where he played General Goodhav. <laughs> and then, yes, probably the performance of a lifetime, Austin Green played President Abraham Lincoln. And That's man, right. he was awesome. It was like watching the president, 16th president come to life on the screen but should be no surprise because he did play abraham lincoln in several movies and tv shows but the one i wrote down was the story of mankind where he played uh abraham lincoln so a uh, very very well done uh acting there and then yes an uncredited appearance as a soldier none other than jamie farr uh, he had to bandage it up face in this but he was most notably known for clinger and mash which mm-hmm. that's an automatic channel changer for me wow. Uh, he was also in the movie Scrooge that we covered not too long ago, and the Cannonball Run. And then, yes, we have Rod Serling, who is the narrator and self-host of The Twilight Zone. Very good, very good. I also wanted to mention Austin Green. I, uh, he played... I that's think, not the guy from uh, Beverly Hills 902. No, oh, okay. that's, Brian, that's Brian Austin Green. <laughs> uh, the man who portrayed Abraham Lincoln played in another movie back in 1955 called Black Friday. So Black Friday, The Passersby, and the one you mentioned, Jimbo, The Story of Mankind. So he was a dead ringer for our 16th president, yeah, and he did a very good job, no doubt. All right, let's get a plot for this episode. In April of 1865, at the end of the American Civil War, a Confederate sergeant with uh, other wounded Union and Confederate soldiers stops to ask Lavinia Godwin for some water. He asks to rest a while. And they talk about the damages of war as she now lives in her destroyed southern mansion. So that's just a quick summary plot of uh, our episode. So as we really open the episode, um, opening the camera is pointed downward through the trees. I thought that was a cool Mm -hmm. little cinematographic trick. And it basically focuses on the dirt road. And then the camera like goes from up in the trees and shifts down onto the ground level and then you it's in front of all of the soldiers who are on the you know dirt road we see there's a bunch of soldiers all walking staggering really in one direction on this dirt road and then we we have a voice only here of rod narration the introduction and then later in the episode uh he's He's gotten in the habit now in season three of sort of splitting his narration. Some of it is off screen or off camera, and then some of it is on camera. So I thought that's a little cool little wrinkle that he put in uh, here in season three. So act one, we're introduced to the Confederate soldier who walks with a crutch, as Jimbo alluded to earlier. His he's He's just given the name Confederate soldier. We never really know his name, and he's one of the two main characters really in the in the episode and he's limping down the road with a crutch and he asks the lady of the house for a drink of water at the well right can i just say before yeah. that when he goes he says um he says it was beautiful once wasn't it yeah <laughs> he looks at it oh the tree i mean ma'am yeah <laughs> it's like he came right out of like, down destroyed right <laughs> He's talking about the lady. That's oh, what I, that's what I think. He meant. Okay, she he had to correct himself. I, yeah, I didn't pick that part up, but uh, yeah. So he asked the lady of the house for a drink of water, 
and I may need to get a drink of water. My, I don't know why my voice always goes. Yeah, wow, right, go ahead. I'll, I'll take over. Uh, yeah, so he asked her for a drink of water, and you know he drinks, and uh, he says, "Well, you mind if I sit down here for a minute?" And, you know, he pulls out the uh, a guitar uh, that he had on his box, uh, <coughs> and she's sitting on the ca- uh, on the couch on the on the front porch in the old rocking chair, just just sitting there, just rocking away like she's withering away to nothing, like she's waiting on something. Which she, you come to find out, she is. And uh, old uh, the sergeant there just starts strumming on the guitar, and um, yeah, and like, my husband used to play the guitar. Right. And my first thought was, did this guy kill her husband and steal his guitar? I was like, this is going to be the greatest twist of all time if that's the yeah, case. Yeah, I never even thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> it, it comes up fairly early though that yeah, her husband is killed um, uh, early early on, and she's there alone, and. Uh, well, the unknown, unnamed soldier, the southern soldier, he, he says that war claims a lot of victims, men, animals, mm-hmm. and God's own beauty, after he talks about the destruction of the trees and stuff. Yeah. And he asks her, as you just talked about, can I, hey, can I sit down for a spell and begin? He begins to play on his quote-unquote kit box. <laughs> yeah. I've never heard a guitar in all my years ever referred to as a git box. I was like, what in the world? Was that an 1800s well, Eric, slang well, word? We won guitar? the war. So this <laughs> been a yes. thing. <laughs> so he sits and plays his get box, and we we discover early on that Lavinia's husband was killed at Yellow Tavern with General Stewart, and I think you got some info I do. on that. Uh, the Yellow Tavern, I thought, man, I wonder if this is a real place, a real something, and come to find out, it was. It was a battlefield in Virginia. Uh, it was basically where uh, the ultimate Confederate uh, Cavaliers' last battle would take place, um, and it could still be found in the Richmond suburbs. Um, they halted along the Telegraph Road because they were exhausted, um, and they came across a ramshackled three-story structure, which once was a wayside inn that was abandoned, but it, uh, it's known legacy for the color of its uh, felling siding, which was yellow. So they named it the Yellow Tavern. Okay. So I thought that was really cool, a uh, little trivia that they threw in there. Yeah, that's cool how they lined up, you know, the battles and stuff with the, the characters that were inside. Well, and also if it's, if it's the ultimate Cavalier's last battle, yeah. it makes it more important when the guy that's hiding in the shadow comes riding in on a horse. I thought that tied beautifully mm-hmm. together, too. Mm-hmm. So uh, she describes the the southern mindset here, Lavinia. She talks about how the mindset of those when they were going off to war, the the southern women and the the, the you know the folks that sent the men off to war. She says that they were going to beat the they thought they were going to beat the Yanks in a month. Mm-hmm. And uh, as she's talking, she kind of stumbles as she gets out of her chair, and we discover that she she says, "Well, I'm still weak from the fever." So that was one of our first hints, right, that she's mm-hmm. had the fever, um, which I don't know, rheumatic fever. I don't know what hay kind fever. of fever. Yeah, all hay fever. COVID-19. <laughs> <laughs> COVID-18. 19. 1800. COVID-1800. Yeah. So she's been ill. So that's our first kind of clue here is um, she's not feeling 100%. She begs the sergeant, though, to play his get box, if you will, to drown her out because she's tired of hearing her own crying and um, the footsteps on the road, you know, crying from the death of her husband. And then uh, Rod's narration 1A, if you will, we get a camera on screen and he says, in just a moment, you will enter a strange province that knows neither north nor south, a place we call the Twilight Zone. So that brings us to our first like commercial act one is over. We go into act two. And as we come into Act 2, we get the title shot, you know, with the the title of the episode and the still photo or whatever. Next, we meet our next character, who is Charlie Constable. And Charlie looks like he's... Higher than a kite, man. (laughs) Worse for wear. He's got his gaze down to the end of that road, and it is not moving off his, all of his lines and dialogue with Lavinia. Lavinia runs out to greet him in the Charlie in the Constable. Road, right, in the road. It is you. Wait, we heard you been shot in the head. Yeah, and she <laughs> says, we thought you'd been killed. Uh, that's what everyone said. They said you'd been shot in the head at Gettysburg. Right, this has a real gone with the wind type of, she uh, like over. She's awesome. Know, yeah, overplays the, the whole Southern Belle kind of thing. So again, we get our another hint. A strange compulsion here is like pulling Charlie down the road. Like he 
like I said, he doesn't take his gaze off the road. He's like, I gotta unload my pack. I yeah, he just drops it all right there. He his load, you know, so just, and he has to keep going down the road. He doesn't need all this weight, so he drops his gear, and Lavinia, she has a few words for him right about his wife or something like that. Yeah, like, she's like, say well, hello to your wife. Oh, yeah, she wants to spend time with you. Yeah. If you could break away, we'd love to see you. Right. <laughs> Yeah. But I reckon she'll have you tied up for a while or something like that. Right. It's like, okay. <laughs> so Charlie, when he in dropping his gear, he also drops his cap. And Lavinia picks up Charlie's cap and she finds blood on his cap. So yes, I wrote that down. Two. Um, I'll, I'll wait till we get to the other. Oh, part. you're going to wait till the end? Okay. Well, not till the end, until we get to the Cavalier guy. Okay. So... Then nighttime falls, right? Here in front of this southern mansion, if you will. And the sergeant has finished like chopping wood and he, he tells Lavinia he's a skilled craftsman with wood. He knows everything there is to know about, you know, wood. He's like, I built this git box myself. It's a little forest gump. <laughs> <laughs> and they start like having a con- just a casual conversation. He pulls out his get box again. Yeah, and he starts strumming it, and then they start singing the the song again. Black is the color of my right. But before hair. that, our man says, "My dad used to tell me that you were going to end up like like a good for nothing troubadour." So right. that didn't sit well with Jimbo. So he yeah, had to go on a deep a, dive with okay. the troubadour. Tell us about a, what so, is a troubadour. A troubadour uh, uh, is basically a singer of folk songs. Or number two, it's a lyric poet or a poet musician of knightly rank from the 11th to the 13th century, mainly in France and northern Italy. However, Eric, as we know as before we started this, the good old George Strait sung, <laughs> sung the song Troubadour. Yeah. So here we go. I have the lyrics of Troubadour, and hopefully Eric don't bust in singing as he did earlier yeah. when I told you about it. Yeah. So I still feel 25 most of the time. I still raise a little cane with the boys, honky tonk and pretty women, or woman. Uh, Lord, I'm still right there with them, singing, singing above the crowd and the noise. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like who, Eric? Jesse James, still trying to make a name. Nothing or knowing nothing's going to change what I am. I was a young troubadour when I rode in on a song, and I'll be an old troubadour when I'm gone. So there's a whole another verse I'm not going to read, but yeah, he's, good old George Strait. He's came, still going too, right? Good old George. I, did he finally retire? I, don't I know, know he's not touring anymore because I do believe my sister had tickets to go to Notre Dame to see him when he oh, was really? touring. But I think COVID shut that down. I never know if he ever made that up or not. But I thought it was a little cool to throw a little George. Anytime you can throw George Strait into an episode, you got to throw him and in there. You got to. You know, George Strait made a movie. Do you remember the, what the movie was? Pure Country, yeah, baby. Have you seen that? Of course. Uh, Going to cover that at some it? point? Well, maybe. maybe. <laughs> it was, it we'll was. have to have Eric's special guest star for that with his, his My cowboy uh, and get, my get box. Get I'll bring box. it in, right? Yeah. That'll be a good time. Well, I don't know. If you, you come, we may have to switch over to Garth Brooks for friends in low places. Oh, man. <laughs> anyway, back to our episode. So, you know, they're they're exchanging Lavinia and the sergeant. They're talking, you know, about their lives maybe. And, and Lavinia talks about her husband, Judd, and how he used to sing this, the same song that uh, the sergeant is singing. Um, and the sergeant discloses a little bit about how proud his father was the day he went off to war. And, and basically his dad didn't think that he would ever become of anything. But now, you know, going off to war and being a soldier, his dad was really proud and uh the the mood kind of turns a little bit because lavinia says uh you know so that she owes the yanks so much meaning that that vengeance and retribution for everything including her husband's life like she goes on to talk about i got a shotgun in the house and and here i am thinking this guy is sitting here playing her husband's a good boss. <laughs> that's all i can think about she's gonna yeah. come out and blow him away <laughs> <laughs> so she says they came in like blue locust and you know they destroyed everything and and she's going to get her revenge and someone so the sergeant warns her that that kind of poison sitting on your mind will it'll kill you right mm-hmm. she can't have that kind of animosity and uh so I'm skipping ahead a little bit here yeah she said she was going to kill kill the man that killed her husband as the last shot of the civil yeah, war yeah that was a great line the la- I got that right that's my next bullet point she says she's going to take the gun she's going to point it at the next yankee and it's going to be the last shot of the civil war which is interesting because Lincoln refers 
to himself. I'm at, getting ahead of myself. Yeah, but that's the, the end, last yep. casualty. Last casualty of the Civil War. Which I thought that was an excellent line at mm-hmm. the end, too. Uh, so she says, a bullet in exchange for the one uh, that took her husband. So she's going to get her retribution street justice, on the next street person justice. who, I guess, comes down the road. And uh, the sergeant retorts, and he's, he's kind of upset. He says, no, ma'am, I don't want to hear... No more talk of, and about butchery, about bloodshed. There's hundreds and thousands of our men and boys that were killed and maimed, and then Mr. Lincoln murdered. No, I don't want to hear. The, I don't want to hear that. No more. Something to that effect. And you know, he, he kind of really tries to set her straight, but it doesn't really work because uh, shortly thereafter, we see a, a black silhouetted horse and Beautiful. rider that approaches the house. Yeah, the cinematography is oh, great. The shadow awesome. that they use, in it, yeah, I mean, it's it's yeah, pretty pretty great. Um, the man looks familiar though to the sergeant. It's it's a Yankee lieutenant. We come to find out who actually saved the sergeant's life. And very shortly afterwards, Lavinia she emerges from out of the house with a shotgun in hand, and the sergeant tries to knock the gun down with his crutch. But uh, he does. Yeah, he he knock he knocks it down and temporarily disables her for a moment. But she then pulls it back up and she fires at the man on the horse. But the man on the black horse doesn't fall it's upright. And she's like, I, I know I couldn't have missed. Yeah. He's just, all he wants is some water, you know. Yeah. And um, and they ask how far you travel, and he's like, oh, I'm just going up the road. Everybody just seems to be going up the road. You yeah. Know? <laughs> so, you're right. Like you just said, he asked for the water, and so the sergeant obliges and, you know, fetches him the water. And then we have kind of this great reveal that the lieutenant actually died on the battlefield that day. And he, he died rescuing, really, the sergeant. Well, yeah, this, what was it, the molten steel was in his yeah, eyes? Or whatever, and he's, he's yelling that he was blind men, and blind right. and blind. And, uh, I don't think he knows that he got killed that day. They, he said he, they thought they had killed him. He keeps saying too, like throughout, like it, it doesn't matter, man. Like after <laughs> yeah. she shot him, like <laughs> he shot he's like back. he he's yeah. already yeah, aware that he's yeah. dead, maybe. You know, and then he he's I got that part, Jimbo, that you just referenced earlier. It says uh, the he the sergeant lifts the lantern, and we see that the the man is blind, and that the hot steel that passed right. overhead. But did you notice that when they went to give him the water out of the uh, ladle, if you will, uh-huh. he didn't reach out for it? Uh, come to find out that he is blind, so he had to right. cradle that and then put it up to his lips and drink. Right. And that's when he shines the light up there. And Eric, here's my question to you: You can obviously see the damage done to his face. Mm-hmm. How come when Charlie? came by mm-hmm. there was no damage to him that you saw if he got took a bullet to the head and also at the end to abraham lincoln there's no damage to them. i noticed that i looked for the the bullet the so-called bullet wound right. or whatever both of them. Uh, and yeah charlie yeah neither neither one of them had any visible signs of a wound yeah that that was interesting that they only showed the visible wound on the uh the lieutenant right uh, on the horse um but we, again we we come to find out that that caused him to go blind because he was actually con- he was tending to the confederate soldier um so he wishes them both both the best in his parting words and his line is this too shall pass this too shall pass wait and see as he you know, goes up the road. So that was a really powerful moment. But to answer your original question, I don't know why they chose. I thought maybe one because, and not the I other. thought maybe the other guy, since he was a Confederate soldier, that in their eyes, that oh, instead of Union, okay, maybe, okay, yeah, that kind of makes sense with some of the trivia that I get. I have so later. You, you wouldn't recognize, like, you know, that oh, we're going to win this war. So you would think less down on your enemies. Right. Or on your own company than you would your enemies, maybe. I don't know. Right. You wouldn't want to stir up any more, even though it had been 100 years, you didn't want to stir up any more bad feelings right. maybe it was by just showing overshadowed mortal by... wounds on right. your enemy. I get what you're saying. But even the cap, even Charlie's cap, they didn't even show like the blood on That's the cap saying, today. No. Yeah. No. Okay. They didn't even show the bullet. Or the bullet or the blood, blood on the, the cap. cap. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 
That's interesting. Notation, sure. Uh, act three. So that concludes when the soldier, you know, this shoot, this too shall pass and and walks away. Uh, we come to act three, and the sergeant, he's decided, it's like the next day, he's decided that he's going to leave. He needs to get back on the road. Uh, he was up all night thinking about the blind lieutenant and Charlie Constable, and then all of a sudden it got quiet. Right. And there's something at the end of the road, and he has to find out what it is. Well, he said he was watching, and he noticed that there was Union soldiers and Confederate mm-hmm. soldiers both together on the road. Yep. So Lavinia, uh, you know, she tries to persuade him to stay. And, uh, you know, they kind of go back and forth. She says, I'm going to be all alone, um, you know. And, you know, she has to find some way maybe to try to rebuild her life and and and, and all of those things. And then as they're talking, then we hear Judd's voice as he approaches the house. Is he singing? I don't know if he's singing or if he calls yeah, he's out to that her. Black, black is the color or whatever okay. of my true love's hair. So we, she's like, Judd? Yeah, and then her mood immediately changes. <laughs> Uh, she runs to Judd, you know, gives him a big hug, and then everyone seems to know what is at the end of the road except Lavinia, right? She's trying to grapple with the fact that, you know, which is the twist in this episode that we're going to come to here shortly, but Judd tries to explain it to her in this way. He says, it's like a song, and when the last note is played, there's only silence, and then you move on. And then Lavinia asks, "Are we dead?" And <laughs> well, I think I think I think before that, um, I think when Judd and uh, the sergeant um, have that thing, he's like, "I'm sure you understand what's happening." What, right? What, they what, both what, know what's yeah. up. He's like, "I do now." Basically, yeah, she's, <laughs> yeah, she's clueless. Uh, and then the twist here is revealed that Lavinia actually died from the fever. Like they're all dead. And uh, Judd leaves and says, "Well, she doesn't want to leave. Like she we wants can stay to stay, here, yeah. right?" And he's like, yeah. I, and "This is just like I'm sure I'll be seeing you at the end of the road here shortly." Yeah, he too. says, "I'll wait for you <laughs> at the end of the road, but I gotta go." And then he takes off, and then uh, just as the sergeant, well, the sergeant leaves first, yeah. and then Judd explains to Lavinia, and then he leaves and says, "I'll wait for you at the end of the road." And then, just as he leaves, a old Abe, old honest Abe, approaches. Well, I, th- I think you're missing the point where Judd's talking to her, and he said, "Hey, your life's like a song." Yeah, you I know, said that earlier. That you, when yeah, the, when, when the notes are done, time, you got to move on, right? Time to move on. And he's like, "Look, you know, you're dead, basically." Right. <laughs> he's like, and I gotta go. So he leaves her, and she's just like, "What?" <laughs> she's, and then she Abe, still doesn't want to leave. Right. She's hanging on and clinging to life, uh, or what she thinks is the life. That she wants to rebuild, and she falls down. Sort of when Judd leaves, she's devastated. And then the good old a gentleman Abe dude he, helps her up. Mm-hmm. And then that's when he begins to speak to her. And do you have the uh, Julius Caesar line? I do. Quotes you it's want both to go from ahead and, Shakespeare. And I think it's awesome that he said. She said, "Well, I'm afraid." And he said, "He is too." So I thought that was cool. But the quote he gives her is, "Of all the wonders that I yet have heard." It seems to me most strange that men should fear, seeing that death, a necessary end, will come when it will come. And I thought, wow. Yeah, and then uh, I love the line, too, where he says, I'm the last ca- uh, yep. casualty of the Civil War. And he's I'm the last, last man, man on the on road. The road. Yep. Right? So with that, uh, the, the scene sort of closes, and Lavinia runs after Judd, tries to catch up with him on the road. And it seems that Abe has convinced her that, you know, her time has come and he's going to follow up behind her. I, even the walk, even Abe's walk, the the stilty uh, walk, it, it, it reminded me a lot of, uh, oh, who's the guy that played him in uh, Lincoln? The movie Lincoln, one of my favorite movies, uh, Daniel Day-Lewis. Uh, I mean, he probably did the best out of anybody and but, we also have the top hat, the, the famous yeah, top the hat. Yeah, the stilty walk that even he had, that Lincoln had, and the high voice also was cited. Like, like apparently Lincoln had a really high tone, high pitched voice, and yeah. Anyway, that, that's one president I wish I could have met, dude, because he just seems. Yeah. So Austin awesome. Green, hats off to you. Oh, tip of the cap, you. My top hat is off to him. Yeah, exactly, because he did an excellent job. I can't say enough about him. 
Jimbo, do you want to start us off with some trivia that you have? Or, well, do, you want me to get, or do you want to volley back and forth? Yeah, well, I mean, that, I've only got one thing to read out of this book okay. over here. But I do, have, I do have a question. Well, no, I want to wait because it's okay. going to make me mad and I'll go off on a tangent. Okay. But uh, let me ask you a question. Eric, how many passerbys were there on the road in this episode total? Did you count? No, I did not. Maybe we should make a contest to see if one of our listeners can count how many <laughs> passerbyers they see on the yeah. road. Yeah, that would be a good contest. So write us, the tragedy of cinema at gmail.com. See if, if in the yeah. area, I'll make Eric go back and count even the little I'm gonna feet. Get, I'll, have, I'll venture a guess of. At the beginning, there's that a are lot. on screen? Yeah, even if it's just their foot walking by. Oh. Is and it, the more, horse. it more than 30? I don't know. I didn't. Oh. I, I haven't done it. Oh, I'm, I I'm thought asking. you were asking. I am asking no, you because I, mean, I don't of know. Of course. I th- no, I thought you did the research. No, no, no. 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 I, I have mean, no I clue. Know. I have no clue. I don't either. No. But you're going to go 100? back and count. You know, I don't know. <laughs> uh, but uh, let's launch into some trivia here, and then we'll save Jimbo's rant for the end, and <laughs> he can tear it to shreds or whatever he wants to do. But this episode was originally aired 100 years after the beginning of the Civil mm-hmm. War. And I won't talk about the Battle of Yellow Tavern because Jimbo's already talked about that. Another Twilight Zone featuring multiple actors from Star Trek, a 1966 Star Trek, the original. James Gregory portrayed Dr. Tristan Adams in Season 1's episode called Dagger of the Mind. Joanne Linville was the Romulan commander. I think, Jimbo, you talked about that earlier. And her episode was called The Enterprise Incident in 1968. Rex Holman played Morgan Earp in The Spectre of the Gun in 1968, uh, both from Season 3. In addition, Rex Holman later uh, appeared in Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, that movie from 1989. And we already talked about Jamie Farr and MASH. We talked about Lincoln's quotes of Shakespeare. Um, The elements of this episode are remade in an episode of the 2002 revival named Homecoming. In this episode, a dead soldier returns from Iraq to repair his relationship with his son. Have you watched that? No, never. I didn't have enough time to watch that one, but... Uh, A little bit of backdrop about this episode. Years before Surly wrote his first draft of this episode, he composed a six-page plot synopsis called The Cause. Human conflict in the the same tradition of the Studio One and Playhouse 90 broadcasts was proposed, but with a time period set months after the end of the Civil War, a man named Judd, with a passion for tilling the earth, was returning home from the war when he met a beautiful woman wanting to reclaim what still stands scarred from battle, like the remains of his home and whatever. So he agreed to stay and help raise the crops, and the two soon fell in love. Judd was a gifted guitar player, which broke the still of the evening night when the two relaxed on the porch in the hot summer evenings. Again, if you've seen the episode, that's referenced in the episode. Uh, His cause during the war was different from hers, but the two uh, decided to put the past behind them and to move to a brighter future. And when a a family relative returns home, she finds herself forced to choose between the man she loves or the family that does not sympathize with Judd's leanings. So it's kind of implied here that maybe one was from the north and one was from the south. They they met and fell in love, and now there's conflict, really, Mm. because... uh, of the Civil War and everything. So the story was accepted by the producers of Matinee Theater, and the teleplay was dramatized on May the 15th, or excuse me, May the 12th of 1958. And then it goes on to uh, talk about the stars. I thought that was an interesting uh, story. So, But there are obviously things plucked out of that story that are used in this episode I thought was kind of interesting. Well, it's or, kind of a throwback to two the first right. that we did because yeah. they were from opposite sides of the war. Exactly. And it sounds like they came together and they fell in love and wanted to start a new life. But then, obviously, old family uh, came in and caused a conflict there. So for this Twilight Zone presentation, Sterling created a new premise, adding an element of the supernatural, which wasn't original to the story or uh, originally. So it's set in the same time period, borrowing one of the names of a fictional character and his gift of playing guitar. 
there were no walking dead in the cause, and that's the original teleplay, but there was a brief mention of soldiers wounded and marching back uh, home along the road. Uh, during the filming and production, this episode was actually entitled Passerby, singular, not plural. And this was kind of confusing. The next sentence, it says, Serling's teaser and trailer and narration for this episode was done on the evening of August 7th after filming was completed. So I'm guessing that they made it plural in the title after Serling did his a little narration and stuff. That it was singular. The title was. But singular I thought when first. I watched when he gave that trailer at the end of the last episode that it was plural. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Originally it was singular, but when he did his filming oh, after the episode wrapped, they I think it made it better. plural. So because there's more than one passerby. Right. Yeah, and it makes sense. Uh, um, it was just unclear of when it actually was changed. I'm assuming it was changed after Rod did his thing or whatever. Uh, and then finally, uh, this last piece of trivia, the character of Judd Godwin was played by Warren Kimberling, and it was a tip of the cap to V.J. Godwin of the Buick Motor Division of General Motors. Godwin and Sterling had been in the service together for three years during the war. That's World War II, not the Civil War. And Godwin often joked that the South really won the Civil War. Godwin's last name was applied to the character for Serling's amusement, and he wrote <laughs> to the playwright after viewing the telecast, confessing his surprise and considered the in-joke quite funny. <laughs> nice. And um, there was something in here, too, about uh, folks even... Uh, I thought I had it on here. Maybe I didn't. Oh, I think it is right here. It's in the goofs section. Let me give you a couple goofs. The the two characters uh, here in this episode refer to the Civil War, a northern term that the southern contemporaries would not have used. Even at the time when this show was first aired, many southerners still considered the name Civil War to be offensive and preferred to say the war between the states. Even 100 years later, the south was still, you know, still pretty sore. Um so it was only after social upheaval and cultural uh, reevaluations in the late 60s that the term Civil War began to be generally accepted in the South. So that's a goof, I guess. They would have never called it the Civil War back then. But anyway. Uh, the, the need s- of the many outweigh the need of the few. Just remember that. <laughs> so the Southern Sergeant, this is the second goof. He plays a song called Black is the Color of My True Love's Hair. It's a Scottish-American song that has not been proven to predate 1915. So that song wouldn't have been around in 1865 or whatever. That's, uh, I guess. And the final goof is the crutch that was used by the Confederate soldier is incorrect. The period crutch had only a single post with a slightly curved top piece under the shoulder. So, But you got to remember, this is the Twilight Zone. This doesn't say it's... That road could have been going on forever. I mean, they could have been like in a purgatory where they're still walking to get to their nope. final destination. The purgatory is so, in the next episode. But. <laughs> but I'm, but, oh, that's terrible. But what I'm saying is, I mean, you don't – it didn't say, oh, this road is just right now to, to go – once you die in the Civil War, you're going down this road. And that's the same time period it went on. She could have been sitting there waiting on that porch forever. It's a you thin, don't know. It's like, that's a thin one, man. You're really... Hey, you're, I like this episode, but I'm just saying... No, I mean, I don't think it's a knock against the episode necessarily. It's just... It's a goof. Like, the, the song didn't happen before 1915. Maybe he wrote it. Yeah. I still think I still think he stole the okay. guitar from her husband All right. once he died. Questions and observations. Hit me with it. Hit okay. me with your Wait, quotation from but, your book, right. and then tell me what you think about um, the episode. Well, you know what I think of this episode, but I'm... You know, I always go to my trusty Twilight Zone companion. I do believe every Twilight Zone fan should have this by Mark Scott. This is the third edition, so it's expanded and revised. Now, you know how I feel about this book. But I might have to pull this page out and burn it. So here we go. And and, and you're going to see what it says. It says, The Passersby (laughs) is one of the weakest shows of the first three seasons. Okay. Tell me why. Well, that right Mr. there, I can throw who, it away who, right who here. Who wrote this? Uh, this? Is this the author or yeah, is this well, someone commenting? Well, hang on. Uh, the direction by Elliot Silverstein is competent and the acting is fine. Although James Gregory, later of Barney Miller, seems too old for the role of a sad balladeer who went off to war to become a man. The episode also has a very pretty score, which I agree, uh, by Fred Steiner. Uh, what makes this an embarrassing episode is Serling's script. 
Turgid, verbose, posturing. It takes a long time for the widow and the sergeant to realize what is obviously, are obvious almost from the beginning. James Gregory recalls a humorous incident from the shooting. On the passerby, I put my belt buckle on upside down, a big CSA. The director saw it and remarked about it, and I told him, But don't you see, Elliot? These people are dead, and the buckle upside down indicates that status. Well, he gave me a funny look, and then, Ah, yes, Jim, I see what you mean. Good touch. I don't think either of us truly understood it, but it was a good for a laugh. And I also read the director said, I'm not shooting it anyway, so I just let him have his fun. <laughs> uh, huh. But, yeah, how can you call this one of the weakest shows a season uh, of the first three seasons? We've seen plenty of terrible episodes. Uh, and just to take a knock at James Gregory being too old to play a, a struggling balladeer, in the Civil War, they took whoever would come and fight. If you could carry a gun, you were going to fight. You know yeah. what I mean? So I, I take... Uh, disagree with that, so um, you're going to get the brunt of it, Eric. So I'm just letting you know. Why? why? So I you didn't write those. Well, words. I know, but I know you got something bad to say. So we'll no, get I don't have anything necessarily bad to, me, to say. This is a fantastic episode. Um, you know, I like history, um, and when you always bring Abraham Lincoln into it, who's probably one of my favorite presidents, I think it this just stands head and above everything we've seen in, in season three so far. Um, Austin Green's performance. Amazing, James Gregory, great. Lavonia, Lavinia, whatever. She's annoying. She's a little but, over the but, top. But you know, could it be the hay fever or whatever fever she had? You know, making her that way. Um, and you could tell she just really missed her husband. You know, war does some strange things to people, as you saw from the quote where it says, "You know, war claims most of the victims, men, animals, and God's own a beauty." Um, to me, um, like I said. Uh, I will give this drum roll, please. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah, drum roll. There you go. Tell us. We are going to give this a nine five out of ten. A nine whoa, five. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Five. Yes. Come on, man. Yes, I'm That's telling you. That's higher than any episode you've given to any. No, no. In I any it was realm. A 10. Oh, it was a ten. Yeah. Okay, I thought and it was so only it was, a nine. It's a, no, but um, I think the uh, shadow and lighting of this with. When they brought up the lantern to the guy's face, I mean that 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 you know that guy, and I don't know if they did this on purpose, but when that horse came up and it was just all black with him, the, mm-hmm. the shadows, would could that be like the, a pale horse named Death or whatever? You know, I, I kind of drew the that four from, horse, yeah, of, what, of, of the apocalypse, right? But I mean, and his name was Death or whatever, you know. Um, so yeah, I think this is an outstanding episode. This is awesome. Um, and it will be in my top ten list. I guarantee you, it will be in my top ten list at the end of the year. At the end of the season or at the end? It might of be the at the end of the, all of it. Okay. All right. Let me write this down. Hold on. Best episode ever. Well, I said in the top ten. Don't get it I'm going to write this date down, too. What is today? The 14th, 15th of January, 2024. Well, you're the one that said the last episode was going to be in your top ten of all time, too, and it was terrible. So. The Shelter? Yeah, there's no you way. Didn't say the shelter was terrible. You, no, you said it was going to be in their top ten at the end of the series, and I said, "Remember, we haven't even watched half of the Twilight Zones yet." Do you yeah. remember this? Yes, and it's not going to be up. This is way better than the shelter. Okay, we'll see. Well, no, we'll see. I'm telling you. Can I talk about no what I like no. and dislike? No, and with that, you the episode's coming to a close. <laughs> Man, I'm kicked <laughs> off the show. Jeez. All right, there you go. Ahead and give me your mediocre. Review. I contrary to what you think, I love the cinematography, uh, cinematography of this and the silhouetted Yankee lieutenant. Was and the music great. was fantastic too. I, I forgot. To it was that. a slow moving episode, very gloomy and melancholy. Even the featured song that the sergeant plays is very slow, and I think that was on purpose to keep pace mm-hmm. with like the plotting on the road. Uh, I thought it was well done. Uh, Austin Green, we already talked about him, that his portrayal of Lincoln was great. Although it was a small part, it reminded me a lot of Daniel Day-Lewis's portrayal of Lincoln. And the movie Lincoln, I think Spielberg's Lincoln, it was, that was, that's like one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, Yeah, so characteristically high voice and the stilty walk, what things we've already covered, I thought they were great. Uh, tidbits in the episode i don't think it's like one of the best episodes i've ever seen i'd probably give it mm, probably 
Well, I'm going to give away a little bit because the the next episode actually got rated higher <laughs> on IMDb than this and one, that just which that really is completely blows my mind. wrong. <laughs> this one on IMDb was rated a 7.6, which I think is extremely low. I think it's probably at least an eight. Um, but yeah, I, overall, I enjoyed it. Uh, I did think Lavinia's character was a little over the top. It was more of a Gone with the Wind type. Southern Belle played up a little bit, but, you know, that's to be expected. All right, Eric, did you like Lavinia in this episode or uh, Walter Head from The Invaders? Which one did you like better? Well, Lavinia. Yeah. <laughs> Agnes Moorhead, <laughs> great, great performance, but I hate the episode. All right, so tell me what is your prop piece for this episode. Did you think about a prop piece? I did. Um, it, you already know what mine is. Well, you taking the get box? The get box. <laughs> Um, just because I'm, I'm going to take Abraham Lincoln's top hat. Okay. Just because that performance he did, that's something I want to add to my collection because that is awesome. You should be re- retired. I <laughs> should have been buried with that top hat. I mean, yeah. The great performance or, or, uh, buried next to Lincoln, maybe somewhere. <laughs> well, you really thought that was the a Lincoln, Lincoln Memorial. Memorial. Yeah. I think that's the Lincoln Memorial is about our president, Abraham Lincoln. No, it's about Austin Green playing Abraham yeah. Lincoln in Washington. Yeah. It was great. So that was the highlight. And you are taking the get box? Yeah, I'm taking the get box. I'll you, take you don't want to take the, uh, the ladle that they feed them, <laughs> or the shotgun she shoots the guy with? <laughs> no, I'll pass on Or those. Charlie's bloody hat? Charlie. Poor Charlie. Well, I think we rattled on long enough for this episode. But uh, next week, uh, oh man, we got a we got a real barn burner, if you will. Uh, it's a game of pool between Jack Klugman and old Jonathan Winters. Yeah, terrible. But we'll get there. I know Eric's probably like, "Oh, that was great. Ooh, we'll have to see." Uh, but with that being said, I think this episode's coming to close, and that's a wrap. And cut. Incident on a dirt road. During the month of April, the year 1865. As we've already pointed out, it's a road that won't be found on a map. But it's one of many that lead in and out of the Twilight Zone.